UCLA and USC are undefeated, uh, both undefeated for the first time since 2005. This is literally the first time in my life I can remember UCLA being relevant, uh, like ever. But also, this is just the first time UCLA and USC are both like undefeated ranked. UCLA after beating Utah, like they they might be like the number 11, number 12 team. Oh, the AP polls came out already. Oh, oh, they did. Oh, shit, they did. Yeah, they came out today. Wait, let let me see. Where were they ranked? I I know they came out today because uh, Tulane got less votes than Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame is three and two, and James Madison got ranked, and Cincy's on there, even though they almost lost two games, one to UCF last week. the fucking, like, God. Not, not. I care less about AP rankings, to be honest, but it's just like... I hate that they still exist because it influences the college football playoff committee. Like they are influenced yes. by the preseason rankings and it's bullshit. But also it's it also like, doesn't no New York City. We're just the number one team. Are you fucking kidding me? What? Georgia still won. Well, at least Ohio State has 21st place votes, but well, God Georgia, damn. It was Bama last week. And then it went back to Georgia this week because Bama was lost to AM. Even though Ohio State has blown people out the last, but it's also it's just like, dude. I mean, like I will give Bama a pass last week because they had Milrow. Like that's not their offense. Like I get that, but it's just like uh, the AP poll. It's like if Georgia just wins by twenty, it'll be number one for the rest of the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if next week Bama can just beat Tennessee and they'll go to number one, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Bama will be number one after next week. Oh, yeah. They're going to have the best win of the season after uh, this Saturday. To be fair, I mean, Tennessee is – I don't know. I think they're – Actually, I, for, I I take back my air quotes. It, it will be the best one of the season. when they Tennessee's good. Tennessee's good. I actually like Tennessee a lot. But Tennessee's – yeah, Tennessee's six right now, which I don't disagree with. I mean, if anything, I'd say fuck it. Though Tennessee over Michigan, if anything, but – whatever Michigan almost lost it yeah but no UCLA is 11 USC is seven hey it might be a top 10 matchup might be that rivalry game might actually matter it will be in front of a sold packed out Rose Bowl per usual they're selling it out this year oh yeah per usual yeah I'm gonna be honest like I was thinking about it the other day I'm just like not the biggest wing guy in general but if I do it it's, it's gotta be fried it's gotta be fried Yes. But but like I, I just realized just overall I'm not I'm not like a wing guy and I know that. So, so are you attendees kind of guy? Uh yeah, I definitely would be smashing attendees and nuggets over wings. But like if I had the option of either, I would pick wings. Uh I just feel like I don't seek out wings necessarily. You seek out attendees, you like or like nuggets. You go to like Chick-fil-A. Probably, yeah, yeah. I definitely seek those out, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Good man. Yeah. Feel free to roast me on that. I- I'll just be honest. I'm an LA guy. I- I'm not gonna sit here and act like wings are my life. They aren't. So, yeah. Frank, Frank the Tank's having an aneurysm right now. Oh, it's it's bad. It's it is bad. It is bad for the Mets. Let like. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waterboy Podcast. Today it is episode number 55. Yep, I remember the number this time. What a weekend of sports. What a weekend of football. 
MLB playoffs in full swing. We got conference play college football. We got games that actually matter in college and NFL. Very interesting day of NFL. We'll, we'll get into that at the end, but very, very interesting day of NFL and a lot of college football hot takes are about to come out of me and Everett. So, okay, let's just start off real quick. Um, yeah, we'll start off with college football. Everett, um, over the weekend, I, I just can't help but, but bring up the, the disappointing performances out of Bama without their quarterback, Ohio State, how they played Georgia. Th- those are the three teams I'm always thinking of and keeping my eyes on. To be fair, so understandable. Uh, yes, but I, I feel like there was a lot of things we, we learned or saw over this weekend in college football. Uh, every, is there, was there any glaring thing? any glaring game that you wanted to specifically bring up over the weekend? I know Tulane, uh, you guys had your own things uh, to deal with over the weekend. Big, big time dub over East Carolina. I think I got East that Carolina. right. Yep. Uh, I know you, you weren't exactly able to watch him, but a- any thoughts? I know the AP poll just came out. You had some thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, the, 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 the one thing that I will say, I didn't get to watch – the only clip I ever saw of Georgia this past weekend was of Stetson Bennett running for like 45 yards um, on a scramble. The only game that I actually got to watch besides ours was the end of the Bama game with Texas A&M. And the only thing that I'm going to say with that is I know Bryce Young wasn't playing and I understand that, but, and obviously I know if he was playing, it, it would have been monumentally different, but for the fact that, one, it's a terrible look on Jimbo Fisher. I don't know what the hell that play call was at the end of the game with well, three. He tried running a in Olave red zone comeback route, which literally Olave is the only man I've seen in college I, be able to run that route. I don't know, so I don't know why they ran that. But. Terrible look on Jimbo Fisher. Great on Nick Saban's half of stopping it there, although it would have been better if he had stopped them earlier. Um, now, if if the game had, if, if they had Bryce Young and that was still the end result of the game and be a little bit more problematic, but I think it's okay right now. Um, with the AP poll though. So it came out earlier today. And I think you said that George, George is number one, right? George is back to being number one. Um, yeah, Georgia is currently the number one team. I, I understand that, but also like with the closeness, that I don't, but I'm, I'm, let me finish with the closeness <laughs> that they have had in their games. Cause I mean, the number one team, it's going to either be tech or it's not tech. It's either going to be Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio state. Those are the three. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not Ohio state, just Georgia, Bama. For you, the don't, you don't think it's going to for the, uh, for the AP poll. Yeah. Ohio state, they, they can I'm giving 70 zero next week and they might give down you in the rankings. Opinion. I'm giving you my opinion though. I'm saying in my opinion, those are the top three teams fighting for the number one spot. Alabama barely won against AM. They dropped a spot because that's how the AP polls work, apparently. Um, and Georgia barely, I mean, they won this week, but they barely Alabama beat dropped two State. spots. Oh, they dropped is Ohio State two now? Ohio State actually moved up to two. Uh, like I'll be honest, I am I am I think Ohio State by some one. of these voters. I think but Ohio State should be number one to be to I'm be, gonna be honest. Like after um, last week, I don't know how you say that Georgia is better than Ohio State if you take their whole season. Ohio State has played right now has had five consecutive games basically blowout wins their first game versus notre dame first game of the season it's just just like i just want to say it's like if ohio like ohio state they barely hung on to uh notre dame like that 
will literally stain their resume for the whole season, what happened in week one. No. But what Georgia did against Missouri and Kent State will not stain not. their record at all. And also all. keep in mind, if anything, Georgia, like, those games are like a testament to why Georgia's tough. But if Ohio State played like that, the media is sitting there saying, look how pathetic Ohio State is. They can't even control. Also, keep in mind, Georgia, Georgia played both of those games with all their starters. All their starters were playing. Everybody. I mean, Ohio Everybody. State's been banged up. JSN's out. Like, but but I, that's what I'm saying. Is Georgia, Georgia almost State. lost to Missouri and Kent State with After all the of their starters. All of their starters playing. And the one thing you were talking about, Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame got ranked. Or no, they're not ranked, but they received votes. They received more votes than Tulane this week, which is why I'm upset. Now, I don't necessarily fully care about the the AP polls, but they are very important to the way that recruiting works, to the way that media works, and just publicity. And especially, I mean, for the playoffs as well, and potential. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For bowl games as well. Um, So obviously, I have to care about it to some degree, and it's important to me. It's important to, to me because our team is also in a, more small conference um so it's important when it's big when your team makes it and for the fact that two lanes five and one could have been six and oh obviously it's five and one loss is a loss um the fact that notre dame gets ahead of us three and two uh a couple other teams kind of squeak in front of us with a little bit worse losses we beat kent state who moved up in the polls are 17 now like i don't really understand that i'm not a big fan of the fact that we only went up a tiny bit and there's teams jumping us who weren't even on the list last week so no yeah i mean at the end of the day it's just all, all i first it's all first, no way that all these voters can watch all these games and actually like there's no, no way they can actually take these all in so obviously just historical success teams like, like notre dame are just gonna he, get a pass cincinnati by the way uh, i don't think that they were ranked maybe they were ranked 24 in one of the polls or something like that i, th- I think they were ranked but they're 21 right now, and they were unranked before um, in one of the two polls, and they barely beat USF last week. They've had two games. I don't know what the other one was where they've barely won, and they were losing at some point. But last week, USF was like in the game with them, and they were in the game until the very end, and since he barely squeaked out a win against the worst team currently in the American Conference. So I don't love that. It doesn't, and they have the same, Cincinnati has the same record as Tulane right now in both conference play and in end season and Tulane has beaten Kent uh, K state. Who's who's ranked 17 right now. So I, I mean, yeah, no, no, I, it's just at the end of the day, those AP voters are just going to look and be like, Oh, Cincinnati, they, they made the playoff last year. They're five and one. Oh yeah. They should be ranked. You know, like that. It's just the AP poll. My problem with it is that I, I just don't think it should exist. And I, I don't think it should influence the college football playoff committee, but it does. Like, I remember, uh, like, for, for this point, I'm not trying to discredit LSU here when they won the Natty. They were the fucking greatest offense ever. But, like, I'm pretty sure at the end of the year, like, they counted their win against Texas as a top 10 road win because Texas was ranked 10 in the AP poll at the time. But at the end of the season, Texas was, like, 7-5. and five. But that's still counted as a top 10 win. Like, like that's, that's where it's like, there's problems. There's problems with the AP poll influencing it. And I, I'm not discrediting LSU. They were the best team that year, but it's like that. Who the fuck cares if they beat Texas, but they finish this season seven and five, that's not a top 10 win. And so like that, that's my problem with it. And it's just going into this. I also feel like if a team like for Tulane, right, we, we beat K-State, 
We beat K-State before they were ranked. So because of the fact we beat them before they're ranked, it doesn't count as an AP win. Oh yeah, that's not an AP win for you guys either. Which is which, which makes no sense. Which makes zero sense. It literally doesn't make sense. I, but it's just like, hey, what, whatever. I like cultural play. Like I, I am, I am obviously pretty biased as an Ohio State fan, and I am under the impression that like there are really only two, maybe no. three teams each Look, year so that actually I, have a shot of winning. We can, uh, we can, we can, we can uh, move. That that's a debate for another day. So I, I, I got, I've got one thing for you that you'll it's like already come as as an Ohio State fan. But before I say that. I just want to give a shout out to my 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 guy Deuce Watts. Uh, mossed the living shit out of a corner for ECU. Uh, put just murdered him. Put that kid in the ground. Uh, and then Randy Moss one upped him and then put Deuce on Randy Moss's shorts, like on ESPN, and mm-hmm. then segments. also put that kid in the ground. So prayers up to that guy's family. Uh, he's going to be going through it. But with that said, um, <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. has had. A fucking season. He is by far and away to this point one of, if not the best receiver in college football. Yeah, I think uh I think we're we can also segment segment this into the Ohio State Union. I have one set up for this week. Uh for in terms of Marvin Harrison, how he's playing, uh I think uh they just said Marvin Harrison is like the first receiver in Ohio State history or something to have uh three three touchdown games uh like just in their career in general and he still has a year uh, of eligibility left he can't go to the draft this year so yeah uh super marv dropping seven 131 and three over the weekend with two absurd uh, absurd moss catches uh over some sparty defenders uh yeah, we're 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 gonna get. We'll start with with the with this past game. Screw it. Uh, pretty solid day for CJ Stroud and the boys. Not gonna lie. Pretty solid day for CJ Stroud. Uh, on Ohio State's second drive, CJ threw an uh, atrocious pick six where it just seemed like he predetermined his throw, telegraphed it. He was like, "I'm throwing to him no matter what on this play." Got picked off. Pick six. What I was really impressed with is how CJ responded to his pick six. After that, after that pick six. I'm pretty sure his next throw uh, responded with a 69-yard touchdown pass to Emeka Egbuka and then followed that up with a 41-yard touchdown pass to Julian Fleming. Uh, so that's, in my opinion, is the way to respond uh, after throwing a, a pick six against Michigan State. That's that's how you respond as the leader of Ohio State. And, uh, like, I'll be honest, I expect him to do that, but it was just very reassuring and made me happy to see that CJ responded so well after throwing that pick six, he didn't let it uh, rattle him, didn't let that pick six throw his game off. Uh, but yeah, CJ finished today going 21 for 26, 360 yards, six touchdowns, one pick. Uh, pretty solid day pretty out of the Ohio State passing offense. Uh, but it, it, it wasn't just the Ohio State pass game that, that kind of blew me away on offense. Their, their run game is officially here. Like it is officially, it is officially here. Ohio State has a run game again, guys. Uh, let's start off. Uh, first things first, no Mayan Williams today, okay? Mayan Williams, who tied the Ohio State school record for single-game rushing touchdowns last week, wasn't available. Uh, and it was the Trevion show, like we expected preseason, uh, and Trevion showed up, ran for 118 yards on 19 carries with a touchdown. Uh, but the one thing I was really, really impressed of all out of Trevion, I wanted to see more consistency in how much yards he was getting uh, per carry. 
early earlier in the year, I feel like it was either a one yard loss, a one yard gain, or it was a home run play for Trevion. This game, it felt more of a consistent seven, eight, nine yard gain, uh, a 10 yard gain when he run. It, it, it didn't feel as either two yard or 50 yard plays. It was consistent seven, eight, nine yards every run. And that was very inspiring to see uh, as an Ohio State fan out of Trevion because I was a little concerned that yeah, earlier this year, Trevion, Trevion wasn't doing well in those short yardage runs. Like Mayan was just outperforming him and he showed up. Well, last week you well. said that you didn't even think that Trevion was the best running back on roster. I still think Mayan's the best running back on the team, but what Trevion showed me today, like Ohio State, their one-two punch out running back is absurd. Like, And they they got a one-two punch right now. And even their true freshman third string, Dallin Hayden, he, he's looking nice too, uh, filling in for Evan Pryor, who's out for the season. So that run game, I, I'm just very impressed. And all in my opinion, all of that credit really goes to the O-line coach, Justin Fry, who came over from UCLA. That O-line, they are just mauling guys up front. I, I'm seeing meanness and toughness out of an Ohio State O-line that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, and, and another thing, just lasting on offense in general, Ohio State in the red zone has just been phenomenal. After their first touchdown drive, I saw a stat saying they were 26 for 26 in the red zone with 24 of those drives resulting in touchdowns. When you look at the team last year, they couldn't do shit in the red zone. And now they have one of the most successful touchdown red zone percentages I I've ever seen in Ohio uh, State history. The Michigan game this year is going to be an interesting one. It, it, it is... I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I'm I'm very excited for Thanksgiving weekend this year, Everett. I'm very very excited for Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, but yeah, in my opinion, I I don't even think this is my opinion. I think the world collectively agrees. Ohio State has the best offense in the country in college football right now. They they are getting it done in all facets of the offense: run game, pass game run blocking, pass blocking. They're getting it all done right now, and they have the weapons. They literally have it all. Who are your top so, five offenses in college football this year? Uh, Ohio State one. Uh, I would, I guess, USC two over Bama. I, I think I'd, I think I'd, I'd probably have to put USC over Bama just because the weapons and everything. Okay. But I'll be honest, Bama has the best, three, best pass three. blocking O-line in the country by far. Who's three? Bama. And Bryce Young has nine seconds to throw the football. I don't care if he doesn't have weapons. He has nine seconds to throw. Okay, um, so give me your concise. I want concise one through five. Ohio State, USC, Bama, Tennessee. Uh, Texas with Quinnen. Yeah, and maybe even put them at four. Texas. Maybe even put them. Maybe put them over Tennessee. Maybe even over Bama. So Ohio State. Uh, I just need to see a little more. Needed to see a little more of Quinn. Okay, uh, so you said one through five. Ohio yeah, State it looks great. Te like we're we're about to get into it. Texas is back. I'm Ohio State, USC, Bama, Texas, Tennessee. That's your one through five. I, I would I would say, uh, and if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt all year, maybe I'd put Texas at two, maybe three. Understandable, uh, yeah. But actually, screw it. I I I still want to talk about the defense in a sec, but this fits. I just want to talk about Texas real quick. Um, 
if if Quinn Ewers never got hurt this year, Texas would be six and zero right now, and arguably the number two, number three team in the country. Yeah, no, I mean, some people think they'd be one, but so like it, like this is just what I'm thinking. If if Alabama was number one last week, if they were good enough to get that number one crown after their win against Arkansas. I'm just thinking if Texas beats Alabama and then let's say Alabama's five and one right now, everything else remains the exact same. Texas. Alabama would still probably be ranked like fourth. They'd at least be, they'd be somewhere up there. Yeah. There's no Alabama way. Alabama would still There's be like no way fifth that, in the country. No way the NCAA or the AP voters would be like, oh no, Bama's like 20th now because they have a loss. Like so. I, I'm not, I'm not quite ready to say it would happen, but I could definitely see a case that Texas would be the number one team in college football right now. Well, yeah, because they, they refuse to. Alabama. I mean, because they refuse to put Ohio State at one. So, you know, Texas, they, uh, they make sure that, that the horns are up. I mean, shit, the NCAA changed rules on taunting so that you can't do horns down. I mean, if that doesn't explain that Texas would be one, I don't know what does. But you can't do horns out, but you could do the U down. Yeah, you saw that over the weekend, which I love, by the way. Oh, my God. The U down? Are you kidding me? How have I never thought of that before? But, yeah, uh, I think there's a case. Texas could be the number one team in some some people's eyes. And I, I do think uh, Texas is back. Uh, Qu- Quinn right now, yeah, this, this counts to Ohio State. Quinn Ewers, oh, my God. Like, he's him. He's him. And you know what? Like, do you do you wait? I mean, I know CJ Stroud obviously consensus consensus number two pick next year or one. Um, do you wish that? Would you rather have Quinn and Ewers than CJ Stroud? Then, then CJ, no. But like next season, like I, I'd obviously rather have Quinn Ewers starting than Kyle McCord or Devin Brown next season, which it'll probably be between those two. But the good news is in 2024, Ohio State has the next number one overall 1,000 composite rating, uh, number one quarterback committed for 2024. So they have him. So, like, I'm not that concerned. Uh, like, honestly, like, Ohio State's in such a great position quarterback room-wise right now that even after losing Quinn Ewers, like, they didn't really miss a beat. Like, obviously, they're worse without Quinn Ewers. Don't get me wrong. But, like, they still have depth in that room and everything. But – yeah, yes, I would want Quinn Ewers, but it's fine. It, it really didn't hurt Ohio State that much that he left. But, okay, uh, I'll finish up I'll finish up my, my defense on Ohio State real quick. Uh, first things, uh, we, everyone, everyone was talking about the corners. Uh, instead of Denzel Burke getting picked on, it was Cam Brown. Uh, great, and I thought Cam Brown was the best corner on the team, but nope, I uh, guess not. Uh, but I'll be honest, Cam Brown was blanketed all over the Sparty receivers the whole game. He was all in their face, in their grill. But it's just once the ball's in the air, like Sparty's guys, they just came down with it. Like I, it's just like all season, Denzel, Burt, Cam Brown, they, they, they're all over the guys. But once the ball's in the air, they, they just can't break. They just can't break the pass up. I, I don't really know. I'm not going to act like I, I know how to improve these corners play. But I saw a lot of fans trash talking Tim Walton. Uh, who's the new corners coach for Ohio State, Tim Walton, fun fact. He used to be the corners coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Jalen Ramsey has came out and said that Tim Walton is the most influential and best position coach he's had in his football career. That should be big then. And so Jalen Ramsey has came out and said, like, this man 
has made me the player I am today. Like I owe this man everything. Uh, if that's the case, NFL how is he working college football? Uh, the the pay's not that different. I understand that, but like you probably would get paid more in the NFL going from a positions coach to a coordinator or something like that with perspective than going in college football. Well, well, he did get an upgrade, like job status wise, by going to Ohio State. Like he definitely got a raise from the NFL. So like financially, it definitely made sense. Uh, the thing is though, I, I'm I'm just not ready to say like fire Tim Walnut. I'm not ready to say that. Like, I, I don't really know what the fix is, but um, I'm just gonna be honest. I would rather have a slightly weaker secondary, at least with how Bama and Georgia looks right now, than a weaker front seven. I'd I'd rather have weaker corners than a weaker front seven. Let's talk about the front seven. I have a fun little fact for you, Everett, which I think is uh, gonna be very impressive. Ohio State held Michigan State to seven yards rushing on 20 carries. That's some Madden numbers right there. Seven yards rushing on 20 carries. They also had four, uh, four sacks and three quarterback here, uh, hurries. So the Ohio State run defense, it's back. Oh, it's back. It hasn't been back since like maybe 2014, 2019. Has been back since 2019, but, but it's back. And yeah, uh, last thing I just want to say about Ohio State, I know we've taken a while, uh, but it's just Ohio State this year, the one big reason why I think they can compete is because they have the O-line and they have the front seven. Like when they lost to, when they lost to Bama in 2020, yes, they were getting exposed in the secondary, but they also just couldn't do anything uh, to get in good down and distances. They just had no O-line. They couldn't stop them. Alabama was having third and twos every time. Just couldn't do anything. But they have the line play this year to control the line of scrimmage and set the tone. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I just don't understand why a lot of people are putting Georgia and Bama over Ohio State unless it's just for the thought of, oh, it's just Georgia and Bama. They're in the SEC. They're just going to be better than Ohio State. That's the, that's the only explanation I have for putting right. those teams above. But okay. Uh, so bef- my, before my before we transfer into NFL and what's going on, uh, college football recap for week five. Yep. It is time today. for the recap. Week baby. six. B. Uh. Okay. All right. Let me let me get this timer on set. Offset. All right. You ready? <laughs> okay. All right. Three. You count me down. Three. Two, one, go. Alabama barely hung on against uh, A&M without Bryce Young while Tennessee routed LSU in Death Valley. I think it's safe to say Bryce Young will be starting next week at Tennessee. Quinn Ewers in Texas are officially back after beating Oklahoma 49-0 in the Red River Showdown. CJ Strano, Ohio State, lit up Michigan State like it was nothing. And some people in the media have finally put the SEC bias aside and ranked Ohio State number one. And finally, DTR and UCLA put on a show against Utah, and USC took down Washington State at the Coliseum. Does that mean USC and UCLA will have a meaningful rivalry game this year? We'll find out. Three seconds over, but not bad. Not bad. Three seconds not bad. over, not bad. Over. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Uh, quick transition. Screw it. I got my juices flowing. I thought that was pretty good. Let's run the NFL recap right now. Back to back. Back to back. I guess we're done. My juices are flowing. All right. Okay. 
Well, that's the end of that segment for college football. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, well, I, I, I kind of, I mean, nope, nope. I don't really have anything else on college football. Done? Okay. So. All right. Ready? Uh, NFL week five recap. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Darnay Holmes and the New York Giants topped off their London game with a happy ending. Josh Allen was playing matted on rookie difficulty against the Steelers, putting up video game numbers at halftime. Brandon Staley was this close to choking the game away after yet another questionable de decision to go for it on fourth. The Cowboys absolutely dominated the Rams, and Cooper Rush is now 5-0 as an NFL starter. The number one offense in football didn't show up in Foxborough as Bill and the Pats shut out the lines at home. And the most boring football game in the history of Earth occurred on Thursday night. So that's right on time. 30 seconds. Damn. damn. Little, little round of applause here. That, yeah. That was yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Give, me a, give me a round of applause that for that. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty good. Okay. Uh, I want to bring up some things uh, that, that were just glaring to me in the NFL recap. And I just got to bring it up right let away. Me, let me hit one with... first real quick. Let me, let me hit one first. I'm interrupting you. Okay. Hit one okay. first. Because uh, I know I, I th this game deserves its own – this team deserves its own segment. I have a feeling. I, I think I know. Can I guess the team? Can I guess them? Denver Broncos. Is it them? Denver Broncos. It's the Denver Broncos. Okay. Oh, and I sound Denver. like I'm taking a shit because that team sucks ass. Um, yeah. But, whenever you watch the Denver Broncos, it is just shit. I so, might have more fun shit than watching the it, Denver Broncos this year. Kind of adds up. Uh, um, okay, so here's what I what I want to say. One, uh, thank you NFL for scheduling Denver on like five or six consecutive primetime games. We get to watch them next Monday. Uh, oh thank yeah, you. they got one next week, and I think they also have one the week after too. Oh, lovely. I love watching the Denver Broncos on primetime. There's nothing I'd rather do with my life. Uh, Best football in the NFL. Oh yeah, watch. yeah. Um, but here's my dynamic here's my offense ever. Just just think back to week one, all right? Think back to week one, Broncos-Seahawks, all right? Nathaniel Hackett has a chance to uh, win the game. Fourth and two. Mm -hmm. uh, could go for it with Russell Wilson, with Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon at running back, both of which can definitely get you two yards. Uh, instead of go for going for it on fourth and two, he elects to kick the longest field goal in NFL history. On fourth and two, right? And it's just, you get a first down there. In, and in then comparison, it's kind of game. In comparison, uh, this week, he uh, he decided to try and listen to the fans' criticisms for week one, but in the totally the wrong way. <laughs> in OT, in OT uh, the Colts march down, kick a field goal, so they're up by three, right? The Broncos are on the fourth, or they're on fourth and goal. They're on like, I don't know, the five-yard line, six-yard line. Uh, instead of kicking the field goal to tie the game to continue OT and get your defense back on the field, who's probably going to stop the Colts' offense again, uh, he elects to now go for it on fourth down on fourth and five. Uh, Russell Wilson's blind, misses KJ Hamler wide open, who then throws a shit fit in the end zone. I have some comments on this. Keep going. But I'm about to circle back. It's the to fact that Nathaniel Hackett – like. He doesn't understand doesn't understand time management in the game, but he also doesn't understand game management at all. Like he also hired a game manager after that first week, and the fact that that dude's not even doing his job is pretty telling of how the fucking how 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 the franchise is going right now. But like I, I don't understand why it's so hard. Like you're do you have a, a top defense in the NFL? They've been getting turnovers all game because 
Matt Ryan sucks. Why not just kick the field goal, send your defense back out there. All you have to do is stop them. Well, well, oh, okay. I'm I'm gonna counter you on that. Uh, it was championship. They just had like no time, and I mean, we don't play for ties in the NFL. And you're on the one yard line. I know they haven't gotten shit done the red zone, but I would have been more upset as a Bronco fan if they kicked the field goal there and played the tie. Well, to be you don't, honest. you don't, you don't play. The for game ties. was in their hands. You don't, but, you but, don't play for ties if you're a Chargers fan because Brandon Staley doesn't play for for ties. But uh, the Raiders do play play for ties, especially when it's to get the Chargers and themselves in the playoffs. Uh, my, my thing about that was just like, fuck I, I don't have a problem with him going for it. Uh, like the, the more so funny thing for me was how the wide open route was the slant on the goal line, which Russell Wilson threw the pick in. And I mean, you can't blame Russ. Obviously he was not looking there. He can never, ever look even look, even think about a slant on the goal line for the rest of his he can literally never even think that's a choice fact for the that, rest of his life the fact that he nathaniel can't. hackett even made the decision to have that route ran in, in that situation like honestly i mean when i went back and replay russell did not even look to the right side. like he was not that was not an option KJ Hamler was not an option. KJ Hamler play. was literally naked, though. But I don't blame I don't it. Like I, I, I understand it, Russ. I wouldn't have looked there either if I were you. Uh, it's just the fucking the the Denver Broncos red zone offense. It it is so atrocious. I've never seen anything like it ever. It's I'm actually the same run, run third and long, or it's run incomplete third and long. It's the same fucking thing every time. I'm 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 actually curious what that. it just you can't do anything. I'm curious what the Broncos red zone stats are for this season. Uh obviously they are the worst team in the NFL in the red zone. I don't think that, yeah. that that needs to be clarified. Um but let's see. Let's see here. I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to find out these this data here. A little data dump out of you. A little data little... dump out here. Uh, oh, my God. Okay, so Field Yates said there have been 65 games played so far this season. Only twice has a team gone 0 for 4 or worse in the red zone in the game, both of which occurred by the Broncos one week one, one in this past uh, game versus the Colts. Um, it, the Broncos are 21%. In the red zone, they have a 21% TD percentage, which is the worst through five games in the NFL since the Rams in 2008 were at 20%. Yeah, and, and while all this is going on in Denver, Geno Smith is like lighting up career numbers in Seattle and they're letting him throw the ball, which is just, oh my God, I love Pete Carroll now. <laughs> I love him now. No, seriously, maybe the problem was actually- Carroll has bought me over. I like, oh my God, that, that team, Russell Wilson. It, it's just, um, also by the way, yeah, Russ, you're not cooking, man. He's a little, he's a little uh, thing on top. Okay. I couldn't have been more right on my six and 11, seven and 10 Broncos preseason prediction too. Couldn't have been more right. Okay. Mitch Trubisky this year, who by the way, got benched, uh, not this week, but last week he got benched. He's been playing so poorly. He got benched. His stats on the season are 59.5% completion and a 36.3 quarterback rating. This player 
has a 59.4 completion percentage and a 36.9 QBR. Now I saw this and I know that that's Russell Wilson. I would rather have, I would rather, I guess I'd rather have fucking, (laughs) I guess I would, uh, you know, pass up on Russ based on those numbies, but I mean, I don't know exactly how the hell you even fix this right now in Denver. Like there's just a clear disconnect. It, It almost seems like Russ is like afraid to play out there he he's well, like you know week one they said that russ was using all of his old signals like everything from the seahawks like he thought that the nfl wouldn't recognize that he's doing the same stuff like yeah, i mean uh, yeah. tyler lockett uh, literally five minutes in the game he goes oh yeah russ is doing the same hand signals that he did on the seahawks it's the same audibles like or like check like play checks yeah. like what i don't i don't understand why like why would you do that it makes no sense to me. Uh, but but to end to I don't end have a little an answer for that one ever. End a little. <laughs> that game. Uh, Colts are the became the second team in NFL history uh, in the Super Bowl area to win a game where zero touchdowns were scored and multiple interceptions were thrown, uh, and there were at least six sacks. So defensive prowess. The only other team to do that were the nineteen seventy three Browns. Oh, of course, the nineteen seventy three Browns. Who oh yeah. Forget? Who could uh, forget the Browns? Yeah. Um, interesting, interesting things going on in the NFL. Okay, I think while we can stay in the topic of the AFC best, uh, even though I, they're definitely not the AFC best anymore, uh, we could stay on the topic. Uh, I think uh, maybe time to talk about my team. Uh, but real quick, give me one second. <laughs> I currently have Joe Burrow playing in fantasy. Uh, and I need him to get multiple points in order to win this. All right, Joey Bosa Grant is back. Okay, uh, bolt, bolt breakdown. Uh, okay, a lot of things happened this game. A little bit of interesting stuff. We're obviously going to end uh, end it out with uh, the, the most brain-dead coach in the history of the NFL, my coach, Brandon Staley. Uh, let's just start off with, with the yeah, – That's competitive. We're going to save Staley to the end. Okay, we're going to save that to the end. First thing I just want to say uh, – Let's forget Staley, and I don't really count this as a win, but fuck it, we won. This was a weird game in the sense that instead of going up early and clinging on to a lead, uh, trying to hold on to it, it was opposite, and we went down 14-0 almost in the blink of an eye, and we had to come back. Uh, ironically, like without Sean, uh, Rashawn Slater and Trey Pipkins getting hurt, the Chargers today, like I think they had the most success running the ball they've had all season. And it was without their left tackle and with Pipkins a little banged up. And they were going up against Miles Garrett, Clowney, and the rest of the Browns. One thing that I just want to say that, that really, really blew my mind uh, about Miles Garrett specifically, he was not the threat. I thought he was going to be in this game. Uh, no sacks, no QB pressures. He had only two. Uh, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my only Lord. Only two tackles. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. That was bad. That in. Only two tackles uh, on the day. The uh, replacement for Slater, Jamari Sawyer. He's a rookie lineman from Georgia. He has been playing lights out. Phenomenal over the past two games, stepping in for Slater. Uh, another thing I want to point out, this guy, uh, Sawyer, hopefully I'm, I probably butcher that name. He isn't a tackle. He played guard at Georgia. He was a five-star guard coming out of high school. He doesn't even play left tackle. And he was out here doing all you could ask for against Miles Garrett in his second career NFL start. 
So honestly, like they gave him the game ball last week uh, for what he did against the Texans. Fuck it. He Don't forget. I know, I know Donald, I know Donald plays interior, but Aaron Donald and the Chargers, or sorry, the Rams and the Chargers play this year. So he might have to face Aaron Donald too. It's just going to be an interesting time. Like, I've, I've just been very impressed with him. I thought, okay, Slater's out. I was already pissed off when Corey Lindsay went out and we couldn't get a thing going on offense. But with Slater out, I thought we'd take a massive step back and the offense hasn't. Uh, if anything, I've seen improvements in the outside run game now that Slater's out, which doesn't make any sense to me. It makes zero sense. But today, I haven't seen the Chargers find this much success running stretch off tackle ever and they were doing it against miles garrett and they were running the ball all over them like it was nothing i i don't know what i was watching today it made no sense no so are you telling me you're happy with joe lombardi this week this week yeah i don't actually have any complaints for him I, I actually don't i thought he called a really good game after going down 14-0 i like I, like I'm obviously. Did you also there. say I mean, Brandon Staley coach, is the but... defensive? Yeah, he he does the defense. He doesn't do the offense. Uh, That's not a good look. Which no, I, look. I don't. Which I, it's very funny how he doesn't do the offense, and he's obviously it's up to the head coach, but he doesn't work with the offense, and he's like, let's go for it on fourth. It's like, bro, that you don't fucking you're not involved with the offense, bro. Shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> stop. But okay. Uh, yeah, I was just very impressed with the O-line. Uh, like, the the Chargers ran the ball today easier than they have all year, and it just made no sense to me. Josh Kelly was also an animal, but Eckler had 16 carries, 173 yards in the tubby. And then he also all had purpose or just rushing yards? 173 rushing. He had more Ooh. receiving. He, he probably had 200 total yards today and two touchdowns. But, like, yeah, uh, Eckler, Eckler has really, really picked it up in the past two weeks after a very slow and shaky start to the season. Uh, but l- let's talk about the defense real quick. Uh, no, no Joey Bosa equals big problem uh, for the run defense and uh, pass rush. Big, big problem. Uh, so before the game, I thought, you know, the Browns might run for 150 on our ass. Uh, I, I was kind of right. Uh, instead of 150, it was 215. They ran for 215 uh, on us uh, instead. Uh, so yeah, uh, Nick Chubb today looked like fucking Ladanian Tomlinson out there. Uh, we had Barry no Sanders for him. Yeah, dude, Nick Chubb was gashing us. Holy shit! Oh my god! Oh my god! Nick Chubb was just fucking walking over the defense, and it's just without Joey Bosa, you just you just run to the side without Khalil Mack, and you get eight yards. It's not that. It's not rocket science uh, if you're running against the Chargers without Joey Bosa. It's not very hard. Just run to the side opposite of Khalil Mack. I'm surprised you guys haven't works. signed some edge rusher or try to trade for one. Uh, so uh, like I, I think what they've been trying to do they they've been just putting Van Noy at edge because he played edge past couple years in New England. But I mean, we just need we need Joey back. Like just need Joey back. But I was very impressed with Kenneth Murray today in pass coverage. Uh. Like Ken- Kenneth Murray, all the Chargers fans, it's hit or miss. One week he's great, one week he's not. I thought he did really good. I thought he did really good. But uh, yeah, last thing I last thing I just want to say about this, J.C. Jackson. I'm I'm gonna assume he's still hurt. Okay, I'm gonna give him the benefit hope of so. doubt and assume that he's still hurt. Because my God, 
this man is being hunted like a fucking deer whenever other teams are playing. Uh, target JC Jackson, fucking touchdown every time. Just go after him. It's so easy. David and Joku and Amari Cooper were playing with him like it was baby food. It was hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to do. I, I'm just going to assume he's hurt. I'm just going to assume he's hurt. No other way to take it. And finally, now it's time uh, for Brandon Staley. God motherfucking damn it, Brandon Staley. This dude, we're on the 35-yard line. There's like a minute and a half in the game. The Cleveland Browns have zero timeouts. We are up by two points on our own 35. Now, remove yourself, remove myself as a Chargers fan. I understand what Staley's thinking. We get the first, it's game. Like, I, I, I totally get, I, I get the sentiment that instead of putting it on our defense and, and giving them a chance, let's put the game in our hands, put it in our offense's hands. If we get the first, it's game. I understand that thinking process. However, when you consider the circumstances of what was going on right there, and being on your own fucking 35, if you don't get the first, which they didn't, you essentially gave the Cleveland Browns three points. Essentially just gave them a field goal and lost the game. And obviously Cleveland didn't end up making the field goal and the Chargers won. But that doesn't fucking excuse the decision. Like that doesn't make up for the, that uh, doesn't mean it was a good decision. No, because oh my God, they gave the Browns a 52 yarder with a chance to win. I'm just going to interrupt real quick. Um, Potters and Mets are playing right now. The, uh, when Joe Musgrove walked off the field for this past inning, they uh, not only glove checked him, they checked his ears. They've been rubbing his ears for like the last five minutes. Cause it looked like they got Vaseline on them. Of course, of course uh, the, the Mets got to bring that one up. Like I hate the Padres, but it's like the way the Mets fans are right now. I, I want to see the Mets lose. Uh, okay. Anyways, back to Brandon Staley. Uh, okay. No. Yeah. Still, it's but it's just like because of the situation of the game, because you're on the 35, because there's a minute and a half left in the game, the Browns don't have timeouts. If you punt the ball there, now I understand like the thought process. Uh, one, one of my other friends, Chargers fans, tell me like, oh well, I mean Staley, he trusts the defense uh, to get stopped, but it's like even if you trust the defense to get a stop, they still have a free field goal. So that argument doesn't make sense. Like that doesn't make sense. You want like, I you guess, your special teams to block the field goal? Like what? What are we I doing? Guess, like, I guess like you have to be confident enough in your offense that you think like you, you feel like it's a guarantee you get the first time. No, no, it was definitely more confidence in offense. But, but like, like even then down in distance, we haven't done shit all year. Even then, like, like I, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if, if you feel like if you punt the ball back with that amount of time. Punt. Punt. They have to drive the length of the field. They have to pick up eight first downs to win the game. Or, like, six first downs to win the Punt. Field position. I guess that's not a thing in the, anymore in the NFL. And, yes, I understand field position is less important now than it used to be because we're a passing league. And now, a lot of times, you just throw 30-yard bombs on the first play, picking up chunk plays. Like I get that field in position is less important, but they have no timeouts. It's Jacoby Brissett. It is a running offense. Why the fuck would you not punt? Why would you not punt? It makes no sense. Yeah, I can't explain that one to you. It makes zero sense. 
you gave them a free field goal and they happen to miss it, but it's like that doesn't get him off the hook. That does not get you off the hook. What the fuck was that decision? What is that, Staley? <laughs> like, I, and I'll be honest, I, I like Staley. I, I like him as a person. I think, he's a, I think he's a cool guy. I think he's a fun guy. I think he's, he's a you fun know, guy. Yeah, I think he's a, a nice down-to-earth down cool guy, but he's, he's no fucking football coach. When I saw, I saw a week one clip of when they were playing the Raiders and the Raiders were like about to come back. Brandon Staley went up to Khalil Mack and said, hey, man, get our guys pumped up right now. You should be doing that. As My coach. head coach shouldn't need to fucking do that. Uh, Ryan Day would not be asking fucking CJ Stroud to pump the boys up. He would go do it him fucking self. So that just concerns me. Like I, like I, I get the like fuck. everyone's transition. We want the younger guys in. Sean McVay fucking ruined the NFL. Like to be honest, <laughs> Sean McVay ruined the NFL. Like he's the only guy who like kind of made it work. To be fair, though, he did make it work. He won a Super Bowl. He, he won a Super Bowl. He also went he, he went to another Super Bowl. He took Jared Goff and made him one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL that one season. I don't know, it was 2017. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not 27, like 2018. Like, 2019. Uh, yeah, it, it's just I don't I don't know. I, I just feel like but also to be fair, all the coaches agent signings you bring in Khalil Mack, there's no the, way the these guys have, respect Staley. The coaches that there's have came out of chance. the coaches that have come out of Sean McVay's coaching tree have done well so far. Zach Taylor went to the Super Bowl last year. It's very, I, Matt no, LaFleur, I know. And for the for for the Packers doing well. Blame Sharp, him. Um, um, yeah, Kevin O'Connell's doing because, well because it's just like dude, fucking Staley, Staley. It's just that decision. I I can't ride with that guy. That that just oh my god. Like I was just sitting there, and when 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 we won the game, the Browns missed. I wasn't even. I didn't even know how to re like. Am I happy right now? Like, am you know, I like, yeah, but like, if, if for whatever Staley's reason in town for another two months at minimum if, now after that, for whatever reason this happens, and I don't think it will, although he is on the hot seat apparently. If Dan Campbell loses his job in Detroit, the first thing I'm doing if I'm the Chargers GM, firing Brandon Staley, I'm taking Dan Campbell, bring him there. No, not, not him either. You don't want um, Dan Campbell? No. Uh, I love, I love me some Dan Campbell. I, I love both of them as human beings. I, like Dan Campbell, like, fuck, literally anyone would run through a brick wall for him. But it's just like... Robert Sala? What about Robert Sala? Need more time. But, but I, like, I was not sold on him at all last year. Eh, this season, we'll see. If they start Joe Flacco, maybe. Yeah, I we mean... gotta start Sala, Joe Flacco. Opinions, but, like, right now, like... Uh, it's not like there's anything they've been doing this year where I'm like, fuck Sala. Okay. So, all right. Okay. Let me, let's talk Vikings now. All right. Skull session is in session. Um, so first things first, Vikings won today. 20. Oh, Joe Burrow's in the red zone. I need him to get a touchdown. Um, <laughs> literally my, my fantasy team is in Joe Burrow's hands right now. If he does not get this touchdown, I'm, I am screwed. Um, Vikings won 29, 22 started off with, one of the best offensive games that we have had. Oh, what a start. What a we start have had for a special man. The seasons that we have had in the last five seasons that we have had since like 2012. Maybe 2017 when Sam Bradford had the really good first game. Um, 
Oh, I actually do know what you're talking Sam about. And Bradford did, did go off the first game of 2017. He, he actually he was, did. He up, did actually put up some numbers. Um, but Kirk Cousins started 17 for 17. Uh, let's get hashtag chain Kirk Cousins uh, going up because Kirk Cousins with the chain, when he said he felt empowered, he really did feel empowered because he just went out there, broke the Vikings record for consecutive uh, completions and, uh, you know, started off the day for Justin Jefferson with, uh, I believe, nine receptions and 120 yards going into half. Uh, no, also, yeah, but there was there was a point where I saw something saying he was on pace for like 36 three, catches and 300 yards. <laughs> yeah. Um, also had 22 minutes of possession yeah, time first good. half. 22 minutes of possession. Now, oh, okay, I'll be honest. That, to me, was way fucking funnier than anything else you like in that first half 22 minutes of possession time in the first half just like really think about that the bears had the ball for eight minutes <laughs> like literally they had the ball for eight minutes of the, of and, the half and it's like the bears uh, well also uh, we're about to get into this in a sec because i have a question for you about justin fields and the bears passing game yeah uh but the bears are predominantly run first team uh, i'm not sure when mooney made that catch i'm not sure if that was in the first half or not but to only have the ball for eight no. minutes in the first half. That's that is nuts. Like that is nuts. Yeah. So, uh, but okay. Let's, we let's also went into half. Here's, here's the thing. We went into, we went into half up 21 to three. We did not score any points the entire third quarter. We did not score any points until the end, basically towards the end of the fourth quarter. You guys um, go for two there to get that eight. When we went for, for two to, to make it eight, to make it a, a, a one touchdown game. Um, now, th- this is where I have the problem. Ed Donatello is not the, like, he play, he called a very good first half, limited them to three points the entire first half. That was a good, good first half. Now, the they problem had 10 is points in the first half. They had, they got 10 points in the first half. They scored second. Oh, quarter, they did. They did score in the second quarter. Okay. So 21 to 10, 21 to three at, uh, at one point, And then they scored consecutive points to make it 22 21 uh before the vikings scored again but at donatel at least for most of the first half i would say three-fourths of the first half called a very good game the problem is he doesn't switch things up like by the time like if, if the, the, you give the, t- the team the other team the time to go to the halftime and look at the defense they're gonna be like they're gonna break it down in the next quarter they're gonna come out and they're gonna absolutely demo the vikings even because ed donatel does not make any adjustments and if it continues with that pace i like the Vikings offense, it's the potential is limitless, but the defense is what causes problems and what keeps the other yeah. teams in the game. So like the bears, the Vikings could have gone out there and just slaughtered them, but instead it was a close game. One by one touchdown had it like the bears could have oh come out God. and slaughtered the Vikings. Wait, the bears could have slaughtered the Vikings. No, Wait, the what? Vikings. I oh, uh, sorry. Okay. And, and ad decided to play on my, I was picking up the stats <laughs> for the game and ad decided to play. Um, but the Vikings often could have slaughtered the bears, but the, the problem is the defense kept the bears in the game, even though the bears have a prolifically terrible offense in the NFL. So if Ed Donatel does not pick his shit up, if this is not fixed, I, I, I don't expect Kevin O'Connell to make a, a, a change during the season, but there's a very high chance that Ed Donatel is not the defensive corner by the halfway point in the season or by the end of the season. I think that he's how long has he been uh, been there too? Everybody's new this year. Oh, 
Oh. And literally every oh. single staff oh, member so besides picked him. picked him. Yes. And, and, oh. and every, so besides um, the wide oh, receivers, well, if coach, that's the case. And I definitely don't think he'll fire him this year. Besides, besides the wide receiver coach, uh, every buddy is new. And okay. um, yeah, so it was between Ed Donatel and the Lions defensive backs coach. Okay, one thing, one thing I'm just looking at, uh, just how your defense played. David Montgomery, only 20 yards on 12 carries. Uh, seemed like you guys kind of bottled him up pretty easily. Oh, well, also, they kind of uh, got, Justin, they kind of got taken Justin, out of no. the, they kind of got taken out of the, yeah, they got uh, phased out of the games. Yeah, games yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Uh, oh, but they did with, to be fair, David Montgomery did have four receptions. He led, he led the, tied the team for receptions and had 62 yards on those receptions out of the backfield. So, uh okay okay one thing about and now i think about it now i look at these fucking yards justin okay 62 check down montgomery yards he had the one play to mooney colt commit four catches 45 yards that's a little interesting to me well also the big thing and i tweeted that chad actually came and uh responded to my tweet about this uh because clearly i don't know what i'm talking about so um uh, justin fumbled twice justin only uh, oh, oh, Fields, 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 Fields. Yeah, um, didn't lose them. Ed Donatel plays Daniil Hunter in zone coverage. He has him back off the edge and plays zone coverage, and he has him put him over in the middle. Instead of playing the flat or something, he has him hook over the middle, which is why, because Daniil is terrible in coverage. So that's why that was a problem, and he's done that multiple games. Um, but I want to give a shout-out. Secondary, like I had said, probably is gonna doesn't matter because they suck like i know that the the bears are not a great <laughs> passing team to still pass for a decent amount of yards because our secondary is not great but i want to give a shout out to cam dancer uh your guy cam dancer sealed the game cam by Dantzler's stripping the guy. ball away from a former vikings player that the bears picked up after we released him before the season started by the way uh great planning there by our gm knew that one was gonna happen um so, I, I just the one thing that I love about uh, Cam Dancer is that he just plays with like an aggression and he he just plays with like a swagger and a confidence that you need to play corner in the NFL. And he checks those boxes. He clearly has that swagger to him after that uh, fumble. So, I mean, like that guy, he he's the one thing I love or one thing my dad preaches when we watch Ohio State, he loves aggressive corners who aren't afraid to go and hit the wide receiver, okay? And that's what I love. I love corners who are physical and want to get in your face. Also, not 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 on the defense, but I really did love the like the offensive play calling this game. Kirk Cousins was allowed to basically check in and out of plays on the field and make his own play calls, not necessarily relying fully on Kevin O'Connell. Like, Kirk Cousins chose a lot of play calls in the first half. I don't know if they went away from that in the second half, but that was a big reason why the offense was doing so well. Uh, I'll but be also, honest, you can't Justin ask for Jefferson a better start than three for three, three. Justin Jefferson the had the best quarterback rating in the game. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Justin Jefferson, one for one for twenty three yards, had a uh, had a QBR of ninety seven point four, which is better than Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins. Um, but I do, I do, I do really like the way that those play calls being very unique. Having, I love the flea flickers. I love the the throwing it across the field, having Justin throw it back to Dalvin Cook. Like, I love all that stuff. Uh, the special teams, by the though, really sucked today. 
and they've been a, a, a very big strong point of, of Minnesota's team um, for most of the, of, of the season so far, but Jalen Rieger almost fumbles it on it on a kick return. Greg Joseph is Joe. Oh my God. Greg Joseph goes over two on <laughs> Greg Joseph goes over two on field goals. Can't be doing that. Ryan Wright, my guy, um, unfortunately kicked a punt for 15 yards, but I know he's going to fix that up. Um, okay. Just need to get, uh, need to get one, that back, oh, yeah. back together. Um, the one last thing that I want to say though, is uh, today's a very, very special day. in uh for the Vikings. Today is Leif Erickson Day, and for all of you guys that did not watch SpongeBob growing up, uh, Leif Erickson was. Uh, oh, that's how I know it. I was <laughs> like, wait, why do I know this? It's that's from SpongeBob. It. So Leif, Leif Erickson okay. is cons- was considered like the first uh, Icelandic explorer to uh, be uh, of Nordic descent and be like the first Viking, and it's celebrated on October 9th. Uh, on Leif Erikson Day, the Vikings were seven and zero going into today. After today, they are a perfect eight and zero on Leif Erikson Day, October 9th. Don't mess with the Vikings on Leif Erikson Day. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, of of course Leif Erikson's there in spirit. The Bears had no shot today. Uh, no way, it's no. It's not how. really much of a surprise. Uh, I don't think that's a shocker for anybody. Uh, Okay, I, I know this episode's been running for quite a second, Everett, but there is one last game that I I need to just bring up and, and mention. Yeah. I, I'm gonna have to give have to give a man some some shout out here. Uh, today the, the Cowboys shit on the Rams, uh, eviscerated them, and I'm also very biased in that I hate the Rams with a burning passion. But I I just want to say with, with Cooper Rush, uh, let, let's just take a, take a look. Cooper Rush, he didn't, he didn't win the Cowboys the game today. He, he did not win them the game. He went 10 for 16 with 102 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Okay, Cooper Rush did not do anything to, like, solidify himself no. as an NFL starter, I think. But he is four Cooper Rush, like, the fact that the Cowboys were still able to manhandle the Rams throwing only 100 passing yards – the their fact defense, that they were able to do that, their defense, that defense is real, really, real really good. They are really good. Re- real. Now I won't say, I, I, I will never say that Trayvon Diggs is good. At least I haven't seen him play this much last year, but at least last or this year, but last year he sucked. I'm going to be so honest. Much. He looks He's gotten better. so much better this year. I mean, I know, so I know he does better. play. I know he does like training in the off season with Stefan and obviously playing against Stefan. One of the best wide receivers in the game is going to, get you better um so I, I that doesn't surprise me but i like i'm just a little hesitant it's like the same way i'm hesitant to pick up geno smith in fantasy and start him it's kind of that kind of hesitancy um but if that really is the case props to props to trayvon Diggs, and hopefully he continues to get oh, better I'm, I'm in on geno smith on fantasy, and fantasy i'm in i'm so in um fantasy but but yeah yeah no like the, the thing about like that that fucking defense like that pass rush is terrifying and i know the rams are banged up all over the o-line i i know they got holes all over the place it doesn't help that matthew but, stafford is like a deer in headlights and and but and hear this out. the dallas cowboys had five sacks today and 11 quarterback hits guess who had the cowboys defense in fantasy this guy. good day for you 
Good day yeah, for they you. picked up they picked Good up the slack you, on man. all of my all of my other players getting five points. My my wide receivers, flex and tight end all combined scored less points than my defense in fantasy. Yeah. Not a good day. Shit. I, I, I forgot to say this, but I I hate to admit it, Everett, but I think I I think I'm now hitting the age where I don't really care about fantasy anymore. I didn't set my lineup this week. Kyle Pitts started for me in both of my leagues. I just forgot. Like I I don't think I really give a fuck anymore. Like I, I haven't forgot to set my lineup since 2015, and that's and that's why and that's why we we're starting a dynasty league. But it's like that's like I think I, I think I might not give a shit about fantasy football anymore ever. So this was this is a a question I was going to pose to you a while back, and I I I got two other things besides this. By the way, I haven't even checked my team today. I I don't care. But but um, I want to know what would you think about fantasy and college football? So I, I've thought of ways that you could make it work. You can't possibly do a draft type of fantasy. It, it just literally, you can't do it. It just would not be fair. So like, I would say, I know you probably don't, you don't understand how the, the fantasy soccer league works, but I would do it in a system like that where any, any person playing it can own any players in the league if everybody mm-hmm. wanted cj stroud everybody gave him but every team has in a hundred million dollar bank you have a cap are worth different you have a cap yeah. and so let like CJ that's what stroud i would do worth like 14 million so you yeah. can pick whoever you want you could change it out and everything if they did something like that i would be well that's so what you they they, they have that in normal fantasy so football too you know that right they have that in normal fantasy football too uh just like like app space no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I know that too. It's just like for, for NFL football, I fucking love my drafts and shit. Uh, it, it's just in college, you couldn't, you just couldn't do it. It just wouldn't be fair uh, if there was a draft type of system. But like, I know, I remember like years, years ago, they would be promoting like DraftKings and FanDuel would be promoting like their daily fantasy, like pick college players. And I know like it was in college. So like, I think it is a thing. It's just not really popularized, but like college football, it, like it's just consumes my whole life in the fall. And so like, if, if I had that, yeah, I, okay. I would be locked in. So, so to wrap up this episode, two things, one, uh, first thing that I want to say is apparently Josh and I don't necessarily, I don't condone this, but Josh Allen before every game pukes his entire guts oh, yeah, out. He boots. Yeah. He boots and he's gotten, teammates to boot with him his teammates now jump in on it his teammates boot with him i i think it was on a part of my take they they had josh allen on they were asking about it and he was just like yeah i just have to it just gets my my mind right gets me ready he's like i i I have to do it i think hey i mean that's one way to boot and rally if if anybody's gonna boot and rally it's gonna be the buffalo starting quarterback yeah and we're not gonna spend time talking uh, about the bills they're playing the steelers but like yeah i mean gabriel davis did it almost comes, almost had a Randy Moss impression. He was close. Gabriel Davis has at least two games a season where he gets three touchdowns, 190 yards, and then besides those games, he's non-existent. He does not show up. But he, he has two has games where he's bit this year. I will be I know, honest. but he does. Uh, it's just it's no, literally two games. The pop-off potential is unreal with Gabriel Davis. Uh, my I'm, one, 
can't believe you. Can't My believe one you. other thing that I want to say and wrap up the episode with um, goes back to the Cowboys. And we talked about this before we started recording, but uh, Dak Prescott comes back probably in two weeks. If Cooper Rush wins next week, he's 5-0 and as a starter. Keep going. Uh, let me see. If Dak Prescott comes back and the Cowboys start to lose, do people call to bench oh, Dak? Oh, they play the Eagles next week in Philly. So that's an L. Like, but I'm saying if Cooper, if Cooper, like, let's just say hypothetically, Cooper Rush wins that game. If Dak is on the Cowboys, okay, yes. Keep if going, keep if going. Cooper Rush wins next week, if Cooper Rush wins next week, or even if he doesn't, but let's say hypothetically he wins, Dak comes back and the Cowboys start to lose. Do you think that people are calling for them to bench Dak and restart Cooper Rush? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Dallas fans are so unreal. Yes. But do you think the team will do it? No. This is what I will say. Dax- this is what I will say. Dak's Dak, and I know it's, Dak is compl- is a better quarterback than who I'm about to say, but in 2017, Sam Bradford got hurt. We were talking about that game. Sam Bradford started that season very good. For the Vikings. Case, yep. Right. Case yeah. Keenan yeah. comes in, lights it up. They're getting wins left and right. Sam Bradford's healthy, comes back. They have Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, and Case Keenum all on the same roster. They elect to keep Case Keenum in, bench Sam Bradford for the rest of the season, and they make it all the way to the NFC Championship. So you do what's best for the team. If Cooper Rush got the momentum of the team, he's got the team behind him. Do you jeopardize that by starting Dak? I I so this is this is what I think of. I I think when, when I'm not entirely sure about that Viking situation, why they uh uh stuck with it's because uh, of momentum. Case Keenum. Uh, but like when, when I look at like Georgia, for example, sticking with Stetson and Jake Fromm, like over Justin Fields, I always think like the way an offense operates and works, like the O-line and the receivers and all the boys, they need to fuck with the quarterback. Like if they don't like the quarterback, like it's not going to work. And a lot of, like this happened with the Eagles with Wentz and Nick Foles. They fucked with Nick Foles more than Wentz. So like stick with Nick Foles, you know, but <laughs> When it comes to this situation with Dak, Cooper Rush, and the Cowboys, those boys fuck with Dak. You, you know, like they fuck. But with I, Dak. they fuck with. I know they fuck with Dak. Uh, but I think they also fuck with Cooper Rush. But 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 yes, this is the thing. When when the Cowboys are playing with Cooper Rush, it it just seems like they're they go to a game management offense. They go to simplify shit, let the defense win. But like that formula might be a little better than the formula with Dak playing. Because I, I just feel like when Dak is playing for the Cowboys, yes, it was in the past. They don't have the defense they have now that they did last. Or the defense they have now they didn't have last year. But I just feel like Dak-Cowboy games, it's always high-scoring, shootout-type like games. Like, it's stressful. It, yeah, it, it, it's high dramatic, good, entertaining games, don't get me wrong. But when Cooper Rush has been playing for the Cowboys, it, it just kind of seems like they f- seem a little more in control and I, I don't know. It, it, they, Cooper Rush with the Cowboys was working. The only, game that, to say. the only game that they've lost this season, by the way, is the game that Dak Prescott started. That is the only game they've lost yeah. this season. And Cooper Rush has won every other game, game this year. And this is my personal opinion, just because this is the way that it went for, for me. And, and they have um, their bye weeks, week nine. So keep that in mind. They can always keep Dak rest until week nine and figure it out then. Um, 
I personally they, think they that they do have a pretty light schedule coming up here if, the Eagles if, and the Lions and the Bears. Yeah. So if they might not feel the need. If Cooper Rush somehow manages to beat Philly, I'm if sticking, he beats Philly, then yeah, I'm sticking with I am sticking with Cooper Rush. I think that you have to go with momentum. And since Cooper Rush has beaten New York, he's beaten Cincy, beaten Washington, beaten LA. If he beats Philly, you stick with him. He's your quarterback until something disastrous happens. And then you he put Dak goes back into in. Philadelphia next week on, I think, yeah, Sunday night football next week. Cowboys at Eagles. If Cooper Rush takes down the Eagles on Sunday night football next week, oh, man. Oh, man, Everett. We have a debate topic on our hands if that happens. Cooper Rush uh, and the Cowboys offense, by the way, has put up 20 or more points every week. So it's not every, like they're not every scoring. Week. Every week. And the one week when this started, this week, technically the points. defense scored technically this week, the defense scored a touchdown, but still 22 points. I, like, and, and I'll be honest. I, I know Cooper Rush isn't the guy he threw for a hundred passing yards today. I know. But what I, I am just, saying, I don't know. Like it, it, it comes when he's in the game. It's just, I feel like the whole Cowboys room. It's a, it's a little like, more locked in, boys. Okay. I'm just saying. Cooper like, starting boys lock the fuck in. Like I'm just saying. I, I, it just got me thinking of Nick Foles and Case Keenum. That's what it's got me feeling. I can feel No, I, I'm just saying my, my prediction, and this is a very big, very McCockiner take, but Dak is going to come back and the Cowboys are going to start being worse on defense. That is my prediction. And it's just going to be, they're going to be like, oh, we have Dak. And it's just going to be a little, a little switch where you don't need turned on because you, you know, Dak's on offense. And it, I think it's just going to get rid of a little edge that the Cowboys defense has right now. It's, it's right dumb now, to think about Cowboys but, defense. They show up to the games knowing we have to win us. But if, if, so. if it's, 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 it's kind of weird to think about, but if Dak comes back and they start losing, you're going to think, what if, what if we kept Cooper rush in like what, like what would have happened? And I think that's weird considering Dak is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but he also reminds me and makes me feel like Russ Wilson, Russell Wilson, like that, that like, that's kind of how I, I feel like current Russell Wilson is kind of how I feel about Dak. Uh, great timing with uh, something that just developed in the baseball world that will enter our NFL segment. We will begin our conclusion right now. The Los Angeles Dodgers will be facing the San Diego Padres in the NLDS beginning today when this episode comes out on Tuesday. Uh, the New York Mets are down 6-0 in the top of the eighth right now to the Padres. Frank the Tank uh, probably having an aneurysm right now. It is, it is looking like a Padres-Dodgers round one matchup. And I will be honest, it's going to be a sweep. It's going to be a sweep. 3-0 Dodgers book that shit right now game one is going to be this is uh, we're doing the full series predictions and this is purely based off dodger fandom and how i just feel about this team and i'm always right i'm always i mean like we said padres fans how does it feel that the dodgers are your dad have been your yeah the dodgers are the padres padre all right we are your padre so dodgers will have six days of rest going into game one it's a little scary but also like Six days of rest. I love it for the pitching. Don't get me wrong. I love it. We're going to be rested up in the bullpen. And and trust me, those pitchers need their rest after this season. But with six days off going into this game, I'm very concerned about this offense. And my, my big concern in the past Dodger playoff runs has been the lack of offensive output, one through four in the lineup. 
and how it's five through nine bailing us out in every fucking game. The starting pitching has always been good. The relievers have always been good in the playoffs. It's always been the fucking one through four can't tack on extra runs and they can't get us leads early. But this year, with that six games off, I know we might have like the greatest one through four ever assembled. I, I know. I get it, guys. But it's Dodger baseball. Who's batting for? Will Smith. Oh, it is Will Smith. Oh my God, it's Will Smith. Yeah, fucking Will Smith's gonna be cranking it. Fucking. It's just I need I need the performances out of Will Smith. I need it out of fucking JT. Belly just play center field, but JT and Will Smith. I need you fuckers to be Gavin. Gavin Fox. We're not like like in order to win. Mookie, Freddie, and Trey are gonna have to play like Mookie, Freddie, Trey. All right. In order for us to win it to win uh, the World Series. Will Smith and JT got to be playing like fucking Steven Pierce for the 2018 Red Sox. Okay. I need my boys to be hitting the fucking ball. Uh, we cannot be leaving runs on. We cannot be letting runners stay on fucking base. It cannot happen. It cannot happen this year for an 111 team winner. Have whatever, they announced I will the playoff roster? It. Have they announced their playoff roster yet? I'm probably not, but Yankees announced assume, theirs today. So I, I would assume it's uh, just like, Taught, thinking pitching wise, it'll be Julio game one, Clayton game two. I think Gonsolin's healthy. He gets game four. Gonsolin is healthy. Four. I think he. I think he's good. But uh, I'm fucking terrified of the Atlanta Braves. I'm. Uh, Joey Gallo made the postseason roster apparently. Yeah, he, he was gonna make it. He's gonna be platooning against righties, and then when we're going against lefties, Trace is gonna start. But uh. Trace is fucking nasty this year, Everett. Cash Clay's considerations. Cash considerations. Cash uh, considerations. Trace, Trace is just making a difference. I, I, I can just also feel it right now. Joey Gallo's going to have a fucking big time hit in this postseason for the dog. He's going to have a big time hit. I, I, and I don't know why I'm feeling it, but I, I know it's going to happen, Everett. Like, like, mark my words, Joey Gallo is going to do something. For Joey Gallo make I, you proud. and Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger always has one hit in the postseason. That Oh, no. I mean, playoff Belly's low-key one of the best players on the team. Like, last year, Belly hit, like, 850 in the playoffs. Like, he was very and, – and I know he's going to rob maybe two guys. He'll rob – well, Tatis isn't playing, but he'll rob, he'll rob Manny game one. He'll rob him. Tatis isn't playing. Steroids. Um. Uh, they do have a Juan yeah. Soto, though, Everett. Remember that. Don't. Remember that guy. They uh, do have Manny but, Machado, too. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, we'll wrap this up. Uh, I, I think game one, Dodgers, I think they might get no hit for the first five innings of the game. I uh, okay. say four to like, two. Four to two. Like, four to two. Like, I I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I This is what I think will happen. I think the Dodgers, it's going to be a really bad start. It's going to be a really fucking rough start. Like, literally no hitter through five innings. And then I think that third uh, heart of the lives could get up their third time through. And I think they're going to go up against a U Darvish who hasn't been pulled and they're going to rock him around and they're going to play with him. Like it's food. And they're going to wake up in the six or they're going to wake up late and they're going to get a last second win a heartbreaking loss over the Padres in game one. And it will kill the Padres momentum for the whole series. And they'll shit on them in game two and three. That's my prediction. I'm saying gonna have a gonna... BS, a BS game one win, and that will collapse the Padres clubhouse, and they'll shit on them for the next two games. I'm gonna say they're it's gonna also win... a best of five. Remember that they're gonna win four to two. I think that they get one run in the second, two runs in the fourth, 
and the last run of the eighth. Padres are going to start off with the lead. They're going to get one in the first inning. I I, I really think it's going to be Padres are going to be leading the majority of that game one. Dodger fans on Twitter's we're all going to be united. Fuck Dave Roberts. Fuck it. We're all going to be together and then we're going to get a bullshit hit boys. We're going to fucking get it and we're going to win. We're going to take game one and just take it, take it from their hands. Just fucking take it from them. We should <laughs> win game one, guys. I want you guys to remember, if we lose game one, it's fucking okay. The lineup hasn't played in six days. It's okay. No, just, just come back the next day and absolutely dump on them. Uh, it's either game two or game three eruption. But eruption. with that, with that, I think that's going to wrap up the episode. Uh, please make sure to listen to us on planes. We are really guys, guys into planes. Listen to us on planes. Listen to us on planes. Go, go up to like the audio, like the 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 calm on on your Delta flight and play it through the calm. I want to hear it going yeah. through the plane. No, yeah, like literally, um, harass the flight attendants, force them to broadcast uh, our podcast. Make them follow. Make them go up and down the aisles of your plane and, and make sure they follow us on Spotify. Actually, don't let the plane take off Until unless everyone go. has followed it. Like, like literally stand up and be a nuisance until you you have confirmed everybody follows our account. If you're a pilot, that too, guy. If you're a pilot, you don't refuse, want to be that guy, but be that guy. If you're a pilot, refuse to take off until everybody has followed us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we should probably just be going to the pilots. We should just be. Going this is what we should do, so actually. Let, if you're a pilot, we should, we should work on our Boeing sponsor too. We might need we'll to get. get we works. might need to get pilot certification, actually. Um. Now, I, I'm not sure if you want me doing that. Uh, you have a boating license, so I, I trust you to maybe try that. But me, you, you can know. be my co-pilot. It's fine. I'll be more. I'll support in the air. You, you want to be the uh, the flight attendant? You can be the flight attendant. There we go. No, I I would actually yeah i'll do that yeah, yeah. all right but with that i was you gonna guys... say i wouldn't reduce myself to that position but yeah i do that or i could be your air marshal i could be like liam Neeson. oh that works that works all right but with that thank you guys so much for watching listening make sure to rate us five stars give us a follow on spotify follow on youtube and go check out our tiktok at waterboy pod we're popping off right now doing nummies uh thank you guys so much for watching listening and uh waterboy's out